Hello, hello. Welcome again to another Hot Sheet podcast. Everybody is back in their respective homes. Jeff is back from the Futures game in Massachusetts. I never left my home in North Carolina. And we're going to discuss a little bit about the Hot Sheet, but a lot about the Futures game. Um, so let's just start off with that, Jeff. It was your first Futures game. How was your experience? It was great. Um, you know, number one, it was really helpful to have uh, Kyle Glazer there, who, you know, is a, a Los Angeles uh, native or area native, Southern California native. Um, so Kyle was able to, he's not a Los Angeles native, but Southern California. So he was able to kind of show us around, do the ins and outs. He had the local, you know, insight and tips in terms of how to avoid traffic or the right ways to get places. So um, just seeing the kind of traffic and things that are in Los Angeles, um, that was really helpful. So big shout to Kyle. But what was even better was having him there at Dodger Stadium. And, you know, he knows the park, uh, being able to go in, kind of get some insight into a few different things. It's a beautiful ballpark. Um, you know, it's sacrilegious to say as a Massachusetts native, but, um, you know, maybe it's a little bit of the case of the, the grass is always greener. But, but I actually think Dodger Stadium might be my favorite baseball park or at least major league park that I, I've ever been inside. Um, it's really, really just clean and, and beautiful. Uh, the sort of, as Kyle put it, the Mad Men early 1960s aesthetic, I think personally is kind of cool. Um, and, you know, we were able to get down into onto the field for the high school home run derby. Uh, so I got to see some of those, uh, as you would call them, Josh Minks, some of the top kids in the 2023 prep class, uh, you know, got to see uh, Max Clark, uh, Braden Holcomb, uh, Aiden Miller as well as several others so that was kind of cool just as a, a sort of a bonus add, add on to the the whole futures game experience and then uh, went up to the press box and you know got to sit alongside uh, JJ and uh, JJ and I just um, worked uh, actually with Jonathan Mayo too tracking you know home runs uh, in the BP rounds of the two um, you know uh, futures game squads and uh, actually tracking like where the home runs went etc so that, that was a lot of fun, um, you know, just to be uh, seeing some of these guys just let loose. Um, some of the BP rounds that stood out, I know I wrote about this a little bit in my superlatives article, but um, Francisco Alvarez uh, really just showed all fields power. Um, you know, the ball just jumps off his bat. Uh, and, you know, it's the kind of thing that it, it wasn't even like he was trying to necessarily sell out for home runs. He's just got that level of power. Uh, he had some really great rounds. Um, Matt Walner was sort of an honorable mention. He had some good rounds as well. Mammoth power from that guy. Um, Joey Weimer hit a couple of really long home runs uh, in addition to sort of just a, a line drive, sort of all field couple of rounds. Um, but the, the, the award goes to Joe and Kenzie Noel truly for probably the best BP rounds. Um, he put on an absolute show. He hit a dozen homers, I think across three or four rounds. Um, and some of them, I, I think I, I, took a shot, a screenshot of, uh, of it and sort of marked where he sent a ball, but he hit a ball into the concourse out in left field, um, you know, above all of the seats and, you know, Dodger stadium, um, there's a lot of seats. <laughs> so that is, uh, to get it over the bleachers and into the concourse, that's a serious, a serious tank job. Um, but Noel was really engaging. We had him at the prospect pad as well. Um, I didn't interview him. I, uh, um, Savannah did, but, I chatted with him a little ahead of time. I actually pulled up um, the footage of, of the, uh, of the home run, one of the home runs that he hit for me when I was in, not just personally for me, but it feels like it's personally for me in Lake County. 
um, where he had that like diabolical bat flip where like he throws it in the air and I actually kept like the final like four seconds of the video on uh, in the clip um, because the bat never hits the ground. Like it, it was unbelievable. So I showed that to him. Um, he and Yaner Diaz of the Astros who were, you know, at one point teammates in, in uh, the Guardian system. Uh, they had a really good laugh over it. Uh, Joe and Kenzie speaks some pretty good English as well. He's a really fun guy, um, you know, really big personality, um, you know, big guy, big home runs. He was a lot of fun. Uh, and I think that's what the prospect pad did and um, some good and some maybe some bad ways as well as like kind of gives you some insight into what these guys' personalities are like. And that can also be bad because then you, you kind of really like, you know, some guys like Andrew Abbott um, and his family were just like really tremendous. Um, really funny, um, told funny stories. Uh, they hung around for a little bit. Um, they were great. You know, uh, the whole lighter clan came with, with, uh, Anthony Volpe as well. And they were, they were all hanging out, went out to dinner and stuff with Chet with Al Leiter. Uh, CC Sabathia who actually came by the prospect pad, um, didn't interview or anything, but he was there. And, uh, I chatted with CC for a few minutes and, and that was pretty cool. Um, mostly about uh, uh, soccer, action Bronson, and working out. Nothing really about baseball. But uh, overall, I mean, it was really a tremendous experience. I mean, we can get more into the actual futures game, but I figured I would touch on all the, the, the uh, pomp and circumstance, so to speak, around it, and then we can kind of get into the, the, the meat here. For sure. I mean, it sounds like you were a kid in the candy store, and that sugar high may still be uh, <laughs> coursing through your veins there, buddy. Uh, I'm glad to hear you really enjoyed it. I didn't, I had, amazingly, I had not heard that Sabathia showed up, which you figure would have made the rounds on Slack or something, but uh, especially because one of my colleagues, Teddy Cahill, you know, uh, loves CC Sabathia, loves, yeah. loves, loves CC Sabathia. That's one of his Mount Rushmore pitchers uh, or players or anything. So I'm surprised we didn't hear that. That's interesting. Like former Cleveland guys showing up to the, the, the prospect pad randomly. I think it was in San Diego where Jim Tomey just showed up. He was in the like, celebrity softball game. Well, I mean, sure, but like you don't have to wander into the. the well, I prospect. think the, the way the hotel was set up is I think all like the MLB like associations and and etc. and um, benefit groups will say were all set set up and located on the same row with us. So it was okay. sort of like guys are wandering around, and I think. Um, you know, he had some relationship with a few players that, that might've come through as well. So you, you didn't like bounce him at the door. Like, who are you? You're not on the list. <laughs> uh, no man. CC is about seven inches taller than I am. And, uh, you know, he's, he's lost a lot of weight and is in, in incredible shape. Um, he looks like he's ready to fight MMA. So, uh, no, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm not stepping to Sabathia. I actually met Eric Davis as well. Who's one of my all time favorite players. Um, so I got to chat with him and, and that was awesome. I was like, you know, you're my, I actually told him like, you're one of my goats, man. Like <laughs> I saw him and I was like, is that Eric Davis? And JJ's like, I, I don't know. And then I asked somebody else and they're like, yeah, that's Eric Davis. And I was like, that's awesome. He's like one of the, I think one of the coaches for. Um, yes, he was. He was one of the futures team yeah, coaches, if I remember correctly. I remember I've seen Eric Davis before where I was watching um, Hunter Green pinch, get pitch against the Royals in Instructs back in the day. And Hunter Green was ramped up against the Royals like it was game seven of the World Series. It was crazy. But I looked to my left at one point and there's Barry Larkin and Eric Davis. And Eric Davis is 
into it. Some dude, the, the, the rule on, on, on the, the, the grounds rules at the backfield we were at is even though the, the batter's eye is like, I don't know, 60 feet, 70 feet, 80 feet tall. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, any part of it is still in play. Oh, and wow. I guess the umps didn't know the rules or got it wrong or whatever. And I hits it off the batter's eye. He trots around and Eric Davis is just screaming, that's in play. You got to hit it out. That's in play. <laughs> losing his mind on an instructs game <laughs> like you see i love a, that <laughs> there's a desire to win <laughs> like all right, I all love right. That. and then you know once green comes out of the game he's chatting with larkin and davis yeah. and it's pretty cool to just look to my left and see that while whatever yeah. else is going on is going on yeah um but anyway so okay we talked about the pomp and circumstance what about the actual game i mean who you, i know you got to get a list of guys you want to see coming in who impressed you? Yeah. Um, you know, I thought it was funny. Shea Langliers had a, a really good game on both sides of the ball. He threw out a runner. Um, you know, the catch, the catching defense back there is, is very good. Um, and he hit, you know, he, he hit a homer. Um, and uh, it was, it was kind of funny. Cause I know that, you know, um, he's a guy that, We've been, you know, we've been kind of like lukewarm on recently because he's struggled a little bit. And it's the PCL and you're kind of like, you know, I know the numbers are good, but how does this all break down? I think that's, I think that's a starting catcher, man. I mean, I think just seeing it, the body, um, got to chat with him a little bit. He didn't do an interview, we chatted. He's also incredibly recognizable because uh, there's only one guy that kind of looks like that, you know, um, looks like somebody that would hang out with me. <laughs> he's got like a beard and <laughs> he looks like he maybe eats McDonald's, you know, <laughs> so um but he's good, man. I think he's a good catcher. So I was, I was impressed by him. Um, Miguel Vargas has more power than I thought. Um, he was, a, he was a pretty exciting player. Um, Zach Veen, Zach Veen just does a lot of little things really, really well. He's really athletic. Uh, I like the way that he moves. Um, Gunnar Henderson, man, when you physically see Gunnar Henderson and just like, he's built like a, like a, like a, uh, he puts the gun, he puts the guns in Gunner. I mean, you know? Yeah, I mean, but he's just like he's got like broad shoulders, but it's like that, you know what I mean by like a like it's like a linebacker in football you put on the outside that runs like a four three forty, you know, like Clay like, Matthews or something. Yeah, like exactly, like he's he's just a physical freak. Um, but he's a really interesting kid, really engaging. Talk talk with him a little bit too. Um, so he's impressive. Uh, you know, in terms of the the, the pitching, um, Bobby Miller looked really good. Um, he pitched really well. Um, Emerson Hancock really executed really well. Um, it wasn't the best stuff of the day, but he executed well. Um, Mike Burrows executed well, and he had maybe the best stuff. Uh, he was sitting 95, high ride, high spin fastball. He was getting whiffs up in the zone. He got three whiffs on the fastball, two on his curveball. Um, his curveball was a hammer, 2,900 plus RPMs. I think he got it to 2,941. Um, that's a really good one-two punch. Um, you know, I don't know. There's still questions about him as a starter, um, but but he's you know really good-looking two-pitch mix uh, there in terms of like that 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 weapon. You can go at anybody with those pitches. He could get big league hitters out on a consistent basis with those two pitches. Um, so he was he was really impressive. Yuri, of course, was was very impressive. That fastball looks great. Um, trying to think about some other hitting performances. You know, Walner hit a ball 116. He's got huge power. He's got a massive arm. 
as well. And We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And I'll save the best for last. So um, tie this into some of the pomp and circumstance as well. But uh, I had an opportunity at the end of the day. Their flights got delayed. We were breaking down. And right before we closed up the prospect pad, um, we were fortunate enough to have Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn come by. Um, really just tremendous kids, tremendous friends. Like, and, and I got, I, I had the idea because I saw, you kind of see their chemistry, like they see each other. You know, Walker was doing a shoot, Wynn had already done it and come in and they, they see each other. And you could just see the chemistry between the two of them and the friendship. And I looked over at JJ and I said, hey, what if we, what if we just knock it out, the two of them together and, you know, go from there. And he was like, let's do it. And uh, we, we sat down and it was the most fun interview that I did all day long. And uh, it was just, you know, great to talk about the two of them. We had video uh, from the two of them as preps and we got to pull that up. And um, at the end, you know, I had, I had wanted to ask Mason Wynn about the record that had been set um, for the hardest infield velocity in the major leagues by O'Neill Cruz previous in the week. And um, it was one of the last questions I asked and I asked him flat out and like Jordan Walker, like immediate was like, man, we, we already talked about this. And he was like, yeah, you know, I brought it up to him. I was kind of, you know, razzing him, say, you got to go out there and do it. And, um, Mason, then the clips on Twitter flat out said, like, if I get an opportunity to air one out, might as well hit a hundred. And he went out and he hit a hundred point five on his first throw, uh, in the infield. And the craziest things we saw him air it out. It was a great throw to JJ. Can you pull that up, you know, on, on StatCast? And I thought he said 105 at first. And I was like, that's not accurate. <laughs> it's, ben, it's Ben Joyce at shortstop. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's not accurate. And then, um, you know, it was always 100.5. And I'm like, and then he, he checked it. It was confirmed that that was legitimate. And uh, 
that's wild that he called his own shot. And I'm just a big Mason Wynn fan. I like the kid. Um, I, I, I really think that he's a very um, cerebral player. You know, I think he, he thinks about the game and in his answers to, to some of the more specific questions, like who's the hardest, you know, hitter you face, uh, pitcher you faced. And um, some of the things that he notices at the plate in terms of picking up spin and his ability to really identify pitches and only swing at strikes, I think is so impressive. And talking, talking that through that with him, it was, it was clear that that's, um, that's something that, you know, he just innately has the ability. Um, he's a really talented kid. And uh, I think the friendship between him and Jordan Walker is going to be a lot of fun. If, uh, if, you know, in a few years, that's, that's the left side of the Cardinals infield. Um, they have a couple of stars there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny, Matt, Eddie, and I were talking about this yesterday. It's one thing for Babe Ruth to call his shot allegedly because Babe Ruth knows he's going to get in at bat. You know, if you're Mason Wynn and you're calling your shot in the futures game, okay, well, you've got to do it, but you've also got to get the ground ball. That's got to happen. It's got to happen when you are playing because it's a futures game and you're not going to play the entire game, which is only seven innings now for reasons. Um, so it's got to happen while you're out there. You've got to field it cleanly. And then you've got to do the hard part, which is throwing it 100 miles an hour across diamond. Like, I, I'm just trying to think about, you know, we're, we're not even talking about this, like, in awe or anything. It's just, oh, yeah, Mason Wynn threw a baseball 100 miles an hour across the diamond. That's where we are in the game with these athletes, these players who can do things that 40, 50 years ago would have been thought of, you know, you would have been burned at the stake for this witchcraft that they're performing on diamonds every night. It's to have the, the record in the big league set like three days earlier. And then for him to come out and not just break it, but break it by like two miles an hour and change is absolutely nutso. Like I remember a couple of years, four or five, 10 years ago, whatever it was when Billy Hamilton was coming up and this is the fastest man alive. And now it's like, it seems like there are plenty of guys faster or as fast as Billy Hamilton. Like the yeah. skill and athleticism we can see in baseball on a nightly basis, even by guys who won't make it or won't be big stars, is insane. Like you could go to the minor leaguers, the minor leagues anytime and see a curveball from whoever that would have, you know, spun Ted Williams into the ground. And or a fastball that would have, you know, made him scream bloody murder or something like that. You know, it the baseball players these days are bananas good. I, I remember I think during the pandemic, whatever, there was a, a, a wave of releases um, of guys who throw 100 miles an hour. Think about releasing a guy who throws 100 miles an hour like that wouldn't happen a couple decades ago. And now it's commonplace. Um, okay, so we are we're about 10 minutes to go on this here Zoom meeting. Uh, let's touch on the hot sheet a little bit. Um, sure. You know, it's, it's a little bit uh, depressed one because there's all the, the really good players have been in the futures game. But let's talk for a second about DL Hall. Um, the D stands for dominant uh, for, for that young man. 40, he struck out half of the hitters he's faced this month. 40 of 80. I don't know if you've seen him ever, but uh, you're you're the pitcher whisperer. What what do you think of the Orioles' left-hander? It's uh, who's who's probably on the cusp of the big leagues. 
Yeah. I mean, I've said this now for a couple of years and I think um, I said in the off season in my best, my best pitches article that I wrote up um, when we released our initial top 100. And I think it's one of the best left-handed arsenals in all of baseball um, at any level. You're talking about four potential above average to plus to double plus pitches. Um, I think the command is better than it's been um, given credit for. And I think he's a guy that is unique in the sense that when he was in the lower minors, um, you know, I, I think that there were times that he was throwing good pitches that were being called balls because guys were scared to swing at his stuff. He had the lowest swing rate of any pitcher, um, I think two years running, um, coming out of the draft. So that kind of puts things into perspective. I think as he's moved up in the upper minors and gets to the majors, some of those things, you know, he's going to face better hitters. Guys can get the bat and stuff like that, or at least will attempt to swing at it. So I think it's just a couple of tweaks um, from him being, you know, potentially a dominant starter. So, you know, I, I still buy into DL Hall. Um, I understand that it is a very dangerous game uh, to do this with guys with huge stuff who haven't had pristine execution, um, especially getting up to the major leagues. It could be rough, you know, maybe for the first half a year, year even, uh, that he's a major league uh, pitcher. But I do think it's going to click. And this is a guy that could be a, an ace. You know, when we talk about guys that can be aces, sometimes, you know, it's it's almost like the, um, if I knew about horses and how you how you break them and train them, I might be able to give you an example of, of some sort of a, a cliche uh, <laughs> um, similarity. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Hall is 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 nasty as they come. And there's a few guys like that that are on this list this week as well. If I can uh, take the reins for a second, Ben Brown's another one that really excites me. He had a tremendous game Sunday, goes seven innings, strikes out 13, only allows two base runners on two hits. That's 13 Ks, zero walks. It's a guy that was a late round prep pick back in uh, 2017, I believe. So it's been sort of a long road for him, but he's still only 22 sits mid nineties, gets it up to upper nineties with a fastball, um, with a ton of hop. He's got two really hard breaking balls, a like a, a cutter slider type hybrid. that's in the upper eighties. It touches the low nineties and then a, a mid eighties curveball That's just an absolute hammer pitch for him. So he's another guy that was on this list that I, I love. Like I, I'm really excited to, to, to catch Ben Brown, um, sometime in the summer. Yeah, he's he's really good. And I'll just circle back to Hall for a second. Like I'm, I'm you know, putting my hands together and, and hoping against hope because Norfolk is in Durham this weekend and uh, a Taj Bradley DL Hall matchup in one of those three days, shortened three day series because of the way the schedule works. We're on a minor league all star break right now uh, would be exquisite. Not to mention the fact that you're going to have Jonathan Aranda and Curtis Mead on the Durham side and Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg on the Norfolk side. So it's like a little mini futures game, an AL East futures game for three days, a uh, futures weekend for three days in Durham. Um, yeah, so that would that would be really cool to see because they're, they're really, really different pitchers. I'm just recalling real quick a deal hall memory. Like I've only seen him once. Well, I saw him at a futures game one year, but I saw him against Winston-Salem and I had gone to see um, Luis Robert and he was hitting like 400 or 450 or some absurd number at the time. And Hall just, you know, stuffed him out, stuffed him out. Like he was just a, a bug on the ground. 
Um, and at first I thought, I've just cursed Luis Robert. And come to think, come to see a few years later, no, 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 no. This man is going to do that to a lot of really talented hitters. And he did it that day against, uh, at that time, one of the best hitters in the minor leagues. But anyway, so we are, that's our wrap up of the futures game. Uh, we touched a little bit on hot sheet, but I think you guys really wanted to know more about the futures game and Jeff's experience in, uh, in Hollywood. He's come back. He's got cucumbers over his eyes. You know, he's had a spa day. He looks exfoliated and refreshed. He's calling everyone darling. He's, uh, he's, he's changed on us, man. After being in Hollywood for all of like three or four days, and he's gone from Boston to LA. It's really it's really striking, and I hope we can change it back. Um, but anyway, that's uh, that's the Hot Sheet Podcast for this week. I'm Josh Bear. That's Jeff Parrot. Ciao. Ciao.